Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Glad you could join us today. It's good to be with you. Uh, we are working through this Christmas season by talking about the weeks of Christmas. And if you've been with us, you kind of know what we've been doing and where we've been going. When we say the weeks of Christmas, we're not really saying that in a biblical uh, there were weeks of Christmas leading up to Christmas. We're, we we're, usually have about four weeks between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's so. what we're referring to. Yeah. yeah. And, and that whole leading up to it, the Christmas holiday season, we now, and we're taking each week and looking at it from a different angle. Uh, it's cross talks four weeks of Christmas. Correct. Absolutely. But we're looking at joy last week, expectation, expectation the, the week before that. But this week, the third week of Christmas, I will be looking at sacrifice. Which that's not something we like to talk about too much when it comes to the Christmas story. It's not real sweet. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to talk about opulence, right? Right. No, absolutely. So again, we are going to be weaving uh, traditional carols and 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 also some passages that you're familiar with throughout our talk here, just like we did over the last couple weeks. Um, and the reason we're using some of these traditional carols and even traditional verses is because sometimes we hear these sayings or sing these sayings, and I think tradition in some ways can ruin that for us. Tradition is good, but it, we don't meditate upon them, and they don't change our heart, and that's what we want to accomplish. You worship as you walk through the meaning of it. Absolutely. Okay, so third week of Christmas, we're talking about sacrifice. Let's just jump right in. What is the first thing that we see when we look at the Messiah, the babe in the manger, as regards to sacrifice. You know, the hymn says, Thou didst leave thy throne, thy kingly crown, when thou camest to earth for me. And uh, which is exactly what happened. Christ left um, as a song, and the psalm says, the, uh, um, the, the halls of heaven, you know, for the humility of earth, and that certainly shows up. That's almost incomprehensible when you think it, about it. Yeah, we we need to meditate on that, right? As we think of the incarnation, the incarnate and Christ. so we see the Messiah yeah. secluded. You know, that that's odd in the whole scheme of things, even in some of our eschatological thought that the the Messiah would be secluded, not. No, we talked about that a little last time. We talked about anonymity. But you contrast that to, say, someone in Old Testament history and in the whole prophetic line and kingly line like Solomon of David. I mean, Solomon's birth would have been well-known. All the birth of the king's sons would have been well-known, but Solomon in particular is uh, of note. And um, it was almost evident from the beginning that he would be the son of David that would take the throne. Now, that's significant because David um, was promised that his son would sit up on the throne forever. So there's, you, you see some sort of that expectation we talked about, some of that joy we talked about with Solomon's birth, and as Solomon comes of age, which is not part of this whole idea of seclusion, but it's it's so opposite of what we see in Christ, the true Messiah, the the one who would sit upon the throne of David. And so there's there's quite a contrast when you look at Jesus' childhood lived in seclusion. I don't, I don't think I've ever really thought about that. Maybe I have, and I just haven't thought about it recently. But contrasting Jesus 
with all the previous sons of David. Right. That that to me is is biblical to do that. So, but but to, I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way. Well, if you go back and read some of the Old Testament history, um, both of uh, Israel and of Judah, but especially Judah, because Judah was those through whom the sons of David came. You see that it's a big deal, and so and so died, and his son. So-and-so reigned in his stead. Right. But what we see here is the son of God and the son of David, born, born in anonymity. We mentioned that last time. But now living a life of seclusion. This is really odd. We look at some of the apocryphal books of the New Testament because there are some of those who talk about some of the things Jesus did as a boy. and right. Like he picked up a bird that was dead and it came to life and those kinds of apocryphal stories that aren't have no basis in history or in certainly in biblical uh, inspiration. But, but what we see, or rather what we don't see, is the Messiah growing up. Mm. We don't, he, you know, he has, a, he has a, a carpenter father. We know that. His, is not this the carpenter's son? Um, but he uh, – and then his father dies. We don't know how. We don't even get the story. We just know that he lives with his mother. I suppose he helped take care of her. He he was a carpenter. But basically a secluded life I heard up a, until he's like 30 years old. I heard a theologian say one time, he said, obviously we are imposing upon the text when we say this. He goes, but it is not with – out merit to think that Christ was probably a very good carpenter, you would because think. <laughs> he was so committed to being who Christ was, mm-hmm. who he was supposed to be, that he would have been an excellent carpenter. He would have been skilled. He would have known what to do, and he would right. have been good at what he does. Because are we not to do all for the glory of God? And he would right? have done it to the glory, right? Of God. And so, so I think it's interesting to kind of meditate upon that a little bit, even though the text doesn't give us a lot of detail. I don't think it's. It's imposing upon the text to say that based upon who Christ would have been. Christ would have done his work to the glory of the Father. Right. And the only snapshot we have of Christ, as most of our listeners would know, uh, in his childhood is when he's 12. And uh, it goes to, well, we see him as a baby offered, right. you know, and the circumcision and all of that. But, um, but at 12 years of age, you know, with his parents going to the temple probably for the first time, but right. if not, at least uh, the the curiosity of a young man, along with a knowledge of his own sonship to the to God the Father, curious and interacting with theologians. You know, so we know that that's all we have. Um, so um, so we have um, the Messiah secluded. So he secluded. But when you talk about sacrifice, it's hard to get around the aspect of the Messiah was shunned. Right. Um, when Jesus appears on the scene as an adult, it's interesting. You know, he chooses his disciples, and then, you know, the one of the first things, if not the first, perhaps the first is when he's baptized. But one of the first scenes is the wedding feast. Right. And he changes the water to wine, and uh, uh, but it's interesting that from the beginning he's shunned. He's shunned first of all by his own people, the Jewish people at large. Now the common people heard him and loved him, but so by his own family. Yeah, he's shunned by his own family. His own family didn't understand. 
uh, uh, so much so that when later when they're trying to get to him to maybe have a word with him, he says, well, my, my brothers and sisters are, uh, you know, see these sheep that right. follow Jesus, follow me, my, that know God. These are my brothers and sisters. He's shunned uh, by the religious leaders of his day in, in such a way that um, it becomes – almost like a snowball effect from the beginning. It gets greater and greater because he took attention away from them. His One of his first uh, times to go into the synagogue, as was his habit, and he goes in there, and evidently he's a teacher, so he gets the opportunity to read from the Scripture. He reads from Isaiah about the suffering servant, and uh, which is interesting because the Thou didst leave thy throne um, um, carol talks about with mocking scorn and with crown of thorn, they uh, bore you to Calvary. But this scorn was not just something that happened during the Passion Week, but it was something he lived with. And he, he read that. Then when he closed the Bible, mm-hmm. or, or scroll, when you say closed the Bible, he closed the scroll, rolled up the scroll, he laid it aside. And he said, today, this is fulfilled in your ears. And then they went and threw him off the cliff. Right. So nobody says, <laughs> how? Tell us. We don't get it. Help right. us to see. They, oh. just, they they run him out to the edge of a cliff, and only because he is able to sort of slip out of their hands and disappear, uh, are they not? do they not destroy him, kill him right there. Right. So so we see him shunned, um, uh, Messiah, the Messiah shunned. So he's shunned. He's secluded. Uh, the Messiah is serving that's interesting you bring that up in regards to sacrifice, and I think it's good for us to meditate upon this because we don't think about him as the suffering servant, which Isaiah speaks of. Right. And um, I just read a book that was dealing with that whole aspect, or I should say I read the chapter of the book. I haven't read the whole book. I read the chapter in the book where they was expounding upon this issue of the suffering servant, and I, I think that's interesting you bring that out because without seeing that, uh, servitude, you really don't understand his suffering. Yeah, the um, um, Isaiah speaks of the suffering servant. Um, the Messiah, which is an oratorio, quotes those passages from yes. Isaiah. So if you listen to Messiah, and I strongly urge you to. The I Messiah, try to listen, which would be the, the Handel's Messiah. Handel's Messiah, yes. Um, I encourage you to listen to that. At least you should have a copy of that in your home, and you should. Yeah, you can find it on Spotify anywhere. I well, mean, that's true. Yeah. I, you're talking to the old guy here. Sorry. But, <laughs> um, but I like to put it on and listen to it at least once all the way yeah. through. I don't always get through. Sometimes I just get through parts of it. Right. Well, but it's pure this, scripture. It's what? It's pure scripture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, hey, it was one of those first scripture songs, you know, right. but a little different than modern-day Christian <laughs> scripture songs. But, but um, uh, so – that speaks of the suffering servant of the, uh, and then coming out of that comfort, ye comfort ye my people. But, um, but Jesus said of himself in Mark, um, even as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We're going to talk more about that ransom, that redemption next time. But we see Christ and what he did. You know, we think of Christ displaying his miracles as evidence of his messiahship, of his of him being the Christ, the Son of God. It certainly was. I mean, right. there were signs and wonders. It was a confirmation. But they were also uh, opportunities to serve people. He he served 
the sick. He served the lame. He served the hungry. He served the despondent, mm. the outcast. He gave himself and his life for them. Well, and even preaching on that to his own disciples who seem to have trouble working a that out amongst themselves. You know, he that is greatest among you will be servant of all. Yeah, and then he lives yeah. it out in front yeah, of them, yeah. washes their feet, yeah. puts up with their constant right. back and forth. Well, the, the foot washing is is the part of the pinnacle of example. When right. you think about that, here's the, the Son of God who was born in this ignominy, as we talked about, in this humility, in this anonymity. But here he is, known by his disciples. Now, they've acknowledged that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he picks up a towel and a basin and washes their manure-covered feet, you know, so much, so disgusting that Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. So here we see Christ serving. Now, what does this all say to us? I mean, here we are at Christmas, and we're we're thinking a lot of things, but we ought to think of these things. Christ is our Lord. Christ is our example. He's much more than our example, but he is our example. And we may live our total lives in seclusion, and it would be certainly appropriate if we did. We don't deserve any sort of accolades. He did. We, uh, we can be shunned by others. We can still be servants of the people of God, servants in the uh, especially in the, the church of God. So, Absolutely. So I think Christmas ought to call that to mind. Okay, last year, Messiah is submissive. In some ways, suffering, and again, I said this at the beginning in Christmas, are so antithetical in our own traditional Western mindset and what we've developed as Christmas. Mm-hmm. And even the aspect of Christ's birth. He was submissive. That's a massive portion of what happens in that story and beyond of his whole life. You know, it's interesting, Pastor preached uh, recently on uh, um, the family relationships. He mm. talked about the men, wives are to submit to their husbands, husbands love their wives. And we have such a negative view of submission. Right. But this submission it makes it very is difficult always difficult to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Really this does. submission is always voluntary. Christ voluntarily submitted. To the Father, he he voluntarily submitted first as a son of man. I mean, when he we t- we spoke about him going to the temple with his to Jerusalem Temple Mount with his um, with uh, with his um, parents at twelve. You know, um, when they asked him, "Where are you? We've been worried. We've been looking for you. Did you not know we were looking for you?" He mm-hmm. said, "Did you not? Do you not understand that I should be about my father's business?" This is his mindset, evidently, from as soon as he could understand something. But what did he do? He went back home. Yeah, but, yeah, and submitted to them. Return and submit. The, the king of kings, the lord of lords, who has now become man, yeah. goes home and is submissive yeah. to his parents. That's incredible. That's an, that's an amazing scriptural statement. Mm. It is. I, I'm reminded of uh, what happened to, I think it was Hagar and her son, Ishmael. And you remember they, that... Um, um, she was cast out, right? Uh, and uh, Sarah cast her out. But when the Lord spoke to her, uh, He assured that He was watching. I am Jehovah, uh, who sees you. And then He says, "Return and submit." That that phrase, "Return and submit." And then we see Christ. I don't know. It just there seems an attachment to the whole concept. We're, that's foreign to us. Yes. That doesn't mean we have to submit to everybody about everything, but it does mean that there are places in our lives where we submit to others 
under the will of God, under the scriptural direction for our lives. Well, it's, it's a, a scriptural and a Christological concept. Yes, it is. It's something to meditate on during Christmas time. Return and submit. So he, we see a submission as the earthly son of man. We see a submission as the eternal son of God. Now, we're going to get more into this next time, because, uh, and I, I should bring this out. We've called this the third week, the week of sacrifice. Mm. Well, so folks are thinking, well, this is the one about the crucifixion. Well, no, we're not there yet. No. His life is a life of sacrifice. Yes, that's a good distinction, very good distinction. Yes, he does make the ultimate sacrifice. He sacrifices his life. Later, we will talk about that. So his coming is a sacrifice. He, his birth yeah, is a sacrifice. His incarnation, his yeah. birth, his life, his um, being shunned, his seclusion, his lack of notoriety, although later he does become known, but not the way he should be known. Right. All of this shows us a man submitted to the Father's will and living a sacrificial life, taking up his cross, just as he admonished his disciples, admonishes us, and whoever come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is what I did. This is what I do. I always do the will of him who sent me. Now, that's mm. what a statement. Yeah. I always do the will of him who sent me. And later when he's praying, uh, if it's possible, Lord, Father, take this cup, but if not, your will be done. So I remember uh, – I, I don't want to make too – this thought came to me. I don't want it to sound too self-serving at all, but this – you know, when Micah, your brother, uh, six years your junior, was uh, in the hospital, he had a bike wreck. He later had an aneurysm. He was in the hospital in surgery for eight and a half hours, microscopic brain surgery. And uh, your mother and I sat there. You were with some friends, but we were sat there and waited, not knowing if he'd come out of surgery, you know. It's one of those times when you can claim something from God. or you, But no, this is when you submit to the will of God. You know, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, if you take him, I'll serve you. Now, and I, I said that to people, and I said, but what would a Christian do? Or what, what a, else can they do? What would a follower of Christ do? Right. They do what Christ would do. They submit to the will of the Father. This is what we do. Christ did. He's not my will, but yours be done. And so what we see is the Messiah living a life of submission to the Father's will, whatever that means. And certainly that should be our, our life testimony as well. So next week is going to be our final episode of the year, and um, we're going to deal with our fourth week of Christmas. But I think it's sufficient now to look at what we are talking about now and sacrifice and going, this needs to be my life right now. I sacrifice because Christ sacrificed. Yes. I take up my cross and follow him because he took up his cross. You know, we emulate Christ, and what better thing to look at than the life of Christ at Christmas, his coming, and knowing that we can walk in the same way. I, As you were saying that, I thought of a, a hymn, a gospel hymn we used to sing when I was a boy. I never hear it anymore. Um, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you give him your body and soul, your heart and your soul. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about here. And this is what we pursue as Christians. We don't ever get there completely. We always are holding on to something, but we're seeking to become Christ-like in this sense. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. 
Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Music